Hi, I'm Britton LaRue, and this is Moon to Moon. Moon to Moon is a space to consider, celebrate, and share the ways we come home to ourselves, anchor through change, and uncover our power. One month, one phase, one loving step at a time. Hi everyone, welcome back to Moon to Moon. It's been a while. I've been delayed with putting out a Libra season forecast, mostly because I already did it. <laughs> As many of you know, I am featured along with my colleague Jonathan Coe in, in the Libra season episode on the podcast Cosmic Cousins with Jeff Henshaw. This has been one of my favorite podcasts since before I even dared to say I wanted to be an astrologer. So it was a really great honor and joy to step into that space with Jeff and wonderful to have along my dear friend Jonathan with me. In that episode, we go really deep into the archetype of Libra, where I share a lot of my own thoughts and welcome receiving the gnosis and wisdom of both Jeff and Jonathan. And then we extensively cover the Libra season forecast. So if you haven't yet, I encourage you, if you would like to have a deeper a connection to Libra and to the astrology of this season to please go over to Cosmic Cousins and check out that episode. Let me know your thoughts. I, I want to know um, how you enjoyed the episode. We had a lot of fun. So I'm going to do this Libra season episode a little bit differently than I normally do, beginning with that it, I imagine, will be a lot brief, more brief than I normally am. Um, I still wanted to offer something like a counterpoint, something different than what I offered in that space for Moon to Moon and for the listeners of Moon to Moon. I remember now that Libra last year was the first time that I did a seasonal forecast and I've been doing them every month since. So this is also an anniversary episode for keeping up a um, rhythm. It's nice to have a rhythm. I, with Moon to Moon, tend to be rhythmic in some ways and tend to be really erratic and just like do whatever I want in other ways. So um, thank you for your patience in waiting for this episode. And here it is. So the way um, I'm thinking that this will go is that I want to share some of my own work with Venus, the ruler of Libra. I just want to talk about, I just want to talk about it. <laughs> it's very tender and close to my heart. And um, I'm not going to share anything that 
isn't fully developed or too personal to share, but um, I do want to gift listeners with some stories about and teachings about Venus and Libra. Um, And I want to speak to uh, some of the keynote astrology, particularly the Mercury retrograde, which is well covered in Cosmic Coven's Covens, that's awesome. (laughs) Cousins. But um, I thought it would also be nice for me, if not for you, to review kind of like where we're at now because I recorded that weeks ago. And here we are in it. And um, I also just wanted to share some insight that came through in the Akashic space asking for wisdom to share about what's going on right now for us. Like what, what can we commonly share about the experience that we're in? And then I, in that space, um, requested to see a tarot reading to pull for you. And I will give you that reading. So that's like the, the, the flow for today. So, Venus, as many of you know who follow this podcast regularly, and I love you, I love you, I love you, thank you. Thank you for supporting my work. I'm so glad that you enjoy receiving what I share. And for those of you new to Moon to Moon, new to listening, I'm going to catch you up on a little something here. (laughs) Thank you for being here. But so since um, Venus, ruler of Libra and ruler of Taurus, since Venus was in Taurus in the spring, um, I have been on a journey with Venus. Um, It was in that period of time as... Many of you know that I um, cultivated the framework that I've been calling, and I love it when people quote it back to me. It's so cool. Uh, The emergent no. The emergent no. (sighs) Venus was really helping me with this um, when Venus was like in the Uranus realm of Taurus, um, because Uranus is in Taurus for seven years and Venus rules this because Uranus is in Venus's domain and so when Venus was with Taurus uh, Uranus and Taurus there was a lot coming through about what we value what are we here to value and How does our definition of abundance turn around um, what is unfolding as our current set of values? Because our values can feel really um, rooted. You know, that's that's part of what makes them um, more like unflappable or like more dependable in us is like our values run deep inside of us, you know? And also our values can change. 
our values change from when you're 20 to when you're 40, you know? Um, your values will change if you undergo a life-changing experience of loss, uh, a life-changing experience of living someplace very, very different. Um, anytime you, you undergo some kind of transformative experience, whether it happens in a short amount of time or a long period of time, your values are going to shift. And with that, so will your definition of what abundance means. And with the word abundance, we also think of a big word, which is scarcity. And scarcity is a framework that we've all been conditioned with in our culture. It is integral, integral to the mechanics of capitalism and to patriarchy and white supremacy. And Scarcity lives in our bodies as contraction and as fear and as um, anxiety, you know? So Venus teaches us about abundance. Venus teaches us about um, receiving abundance and receiving what would feel good and claiming that and not apologizing for it you know so when venus was in the domain of taurus last spring um i became very aware of what i called the emergent note a no that was emerging it had been like incubating underground like some part of me knew that i had a no in the relationship that i was in it was actually multiple at once. It wasn't just my romantic relationship. There were several things that had been like alive, but not really in my conscious uh, zone. <laughs> and they just started emerging, you know, as I had been really solidifying into my sense of my own value. Okay, so just after I... Dreamt of, a, dreamt of an offering, promoted that offering from my heart space and magnetized the most incredible people for it. And that was the magician's table offering that I'll be doing again next spring. I kind of landed into like this kind of throne of, oh, like my work has value. I'm a magician. <laughs> I'm an empress. Like I'm an emperor. I can, um, I can do this, you know, cause I've been growing my practice for several years now. And when you're like a baby astrologer, there's all kinds of scarcity fear around like this being a total fantasy. And like, there's no way that you could really do it, you know? <laughs> and you're just believing in yourself and you're just hustling and you're just trusting, you know? And so there was something about falling into the group of the magician's table that really put me in like a new space of like, okay, I'm here to serve. Leading is my service. Service is leadership. I can do this and it has value and people want this. You know, I feel this now. It's like living in my body. I feel it in my body new feeling, you know, it requires expansion to allow that in. And with that, 
suddenly all these emergent no's that I couldn't see before um, just started to reveal themselves. And um, I see now, a phrasing that I love, I see now (laughs) that Venus was... um, Venus was encouraging me to then recognize what I didn't need um, to know my value. And, um, but what it felt like with my breakup was loss and abandonment. So in the meantime, since uh, April, early May, I have been... um, really seated at the altar of Venus in great humility to beseech their help with what I recognized, what Venus helped me recognize was a lot of scarcity, fear around, um, being able to love again, being able to find someone to love again, being safe uh, out in the world where I'm single and there's like all these people and like, uh, are there any good people out there? They're gonna hurt me. I'm not safe anymore. Um, I can't do this alone. How can I do this without that person? I'm nothing without that person's gaze. And Venus has been a very firm (laughs) um, firm teacher in uh, really uh, commanding my clarity and commitment to understanding what Venus wants us to understand which is that scarcity is a myth and it's an illusion and it's deeply oppressive you know and that um it is in the energy of venus that abundance lives and that's already in our bodies It's already in our bodies. Abundance is already in our bodies. And so I've just been regularly hanging out in that space, um, allowing myself to do a lot of grieving, not like covering grief with like, abundance you know (laughs) because I also very much needed to uh cry and shed and like slough away let it go understand what's not here anymore so that I could make space for something new to grow that would not be the same, but would be very different and would be a a more expansive connection to relationship 
than I'd ever known before. Didn't know what this was, just focused on the present moment, which required healing. So it was um, when Venus then was in a square to Uranus, opposite Saturn, and Venus was in Leo, that I received a message from Venus that um, my creativity needed me to live inside of the erotic. Um, that the erotic is not something to put off till later, like when I think I'm quote-unquote ready for someone. But the erotic is an energy that already lives in me now, just like abundance. The erotic is always present. The erotic is like always a pool that we can splash around in and like call up. And that don't wait till you think it's time to channel the erotic. Just live in the erotic every single day. Doesn't matter if you're in a relationship or not, you know? Doesn't matter if you're looking for someone or not. Just be erotically charged with like everything. Like when you're walking around and there's trees, like feel erotic with the trees. Like just meaning feeling fantastically alive in your own body. And feeling in connectivity with everything, you know? And so as soon as I started this practice and had this understanding, I started to feel so good. I just felt like really hopeful and really jazzed up (laughs) and like zesty and excited just to be living on this planet earth and living, having experiences, you know? And so this was a really great energy then to go into promotion for charting your course, which I did all of August, as you may know, if you've been listening where I did like so much promo magic. Um, and everything that I was doing was from my relationship with Venus, which was all about like everything seduction, everything is erotic, everything's a courtship. It's all a dance. We're just having fun. Um, this is playful. It's flirty. Just have a great time, you know, as opposed to like a more cold and Saturnian like rigor of the schedule you know that like the promo schedule needs to be like this and I'm gonna hustle constantly to like dry myself out as I meet my goals you know which is kind of my more standard program um as a moon in Capricorn governed by Saturn so (laughs) that went really well because I've Um, with the help of my colleague and co-creator Jonathan magnetized the most incredible group of people once again so many people willing to spend seven months with us willing to really invest in learning astrology learning how to walk with the planets and learning how to make this part of like your very being and it's amazing and it's going really well. Of course, it just now it just has its own energy. Um, and we just show up for it. And it was in that that excitement, that um, courtship, romance, flirtation, um, 
admiration, um, desire, pleasure, fun <laughs> has come into my life in such an unexpected and dazzling and very unforeseen but so welcome uh, ways that I'm just, uh, I just am so, so um, in wonder and in awe at Venus's gifts and tutelage, like, is that the word I mean? Like tutelage, like her um, tutoring me. (laughs) I mean, I feel like I am completely rewiring my attachment style. I am rewiring um, what I think relationship means and looks like. I am rewiring um, what I need from a partner and what I don't need from a partner. There's just so many ways right now that I'm in deep relational deprogramming. And of course, it's like so on point for Libra season, which is why I'm spending all this time on this topic. As an Aries rising, I have what's called a natural chart. And that means that like we often associate Aries, which is sign number one, with house number one. And my house, my houses are all set up um, in that same relative way, like my seventh house of partnerships and relationships and contracts with people is in the seventh sign of Libra. So when we hit Libra season, I'm going through kind of like a classical quote unquote Libra domain, which is my interpersonal contracts, you know. Um, however, and also we have these collective experiences that we can all connect to through the sign, no matter where you have the sign in your chart. So I'm trusting that what I share is not just unique to my personal experience, but it's something that people can resonate with. And I know it will because I've had so many conversations with people about this and it feels very important for all of us right now to spend some time feeling into the history of our attachment style, feeling into how we do our relationships and our partnerships one-on-ones, how we hold to our contracts with people, meaning not just legal, but yes, legal. Also, what I like to say, energetic contracts the energy that we just agree upon in an unspoken way of like, I'll be like this and you'll be like that. And that's our relationship. The key, the thing there being that we're always updating our contracts to present time so that we're not holding people to who they were and they're not holding us to who we were. And we allow each other to grow so that we stay sovereign and present within that recalibration constantly. And this is how we can continue to dance with people over a long term as we're changing and transforming and different than who we used to be. It all feels really important right now. Um, So when 
we think about then how the sun is now in Libra, okay, Mars has entered Libra, um, Mars is ahead of the sun actually, and they're going to meet up in Libra, we go over this in the Cosmic Cousins episode, and we have Mercury retrograde stationing today on the day that I'm recording this to do three weeks of retrograde, it's always three weeks for Mercury, um, and that's from, let's see, again, all the dates and everything is over in the Cosmic Cousins episode. But Mercury stations, um, stations October 9th, 17th, 18th. Um, and then there's the post-retrograde shadow till November 2nd. So... We're really learning a lot where we have Libra right now, and thus we're really learning a lot about Libra. So let's talk a little bit about this. Libra. Libra begins a season because it begins with an equinox. The seasons all begin with a solstice or an equinox, which tells us something about what's going on with the sun in terms of the amount of light we have in a day. So the equinox it breaks down to equal night. It means literally that on that day of the equinox, we had equal day and equal night. And it's a moment, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a moment that it's in balance. And immediately it begins to change again. And now we move to having longer nights and shorter days all the way till we get to the winter solstice. This is what fall in the Northern Hemisphere is about. It's about the increasing night. And for many of us, including myself, it's like, yay! <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yes! <laughs> Uh, this is like so comforting to me. Like, okay, enough with the light. But I know so many people in my community are like totally the opposite. So it's nice to tune in to like, how do I feel about that? You know, do I prefer longer days or longer nights? Hmm, the balance. Hmm. So Libra being in the first sign of a season is something that we call in the vocab of astrology, cardinal. Cardinal means initiating. It's an initiating energy. It gets things going. What does it get going? It gets going the new season here. And uh, it's a sign that then initiates an element each of the cardinal signs initiates a different element. Aries is cardinal fire, Cancer is cardinal water, Libra is cardinal air, and then Capricorn is cardinal earth. Those are the cardinal signs. But each has a different element that is associated with. So air, Libra is air. This is like the mental realm, communicating. It's in the mind. It's how we're perceiving and like, um, taking in the data of the information and then how we communicate the information. Um, and 
So it's about communication and relating. So it's also something that we call an interpersonal sign um, because it's about us relative and another person. And so what does it initiate? It initiates interpersonal communication. What does Libra do? It initiates interpersonal relating. That's how we can think about that. So it's about relationship. And it's about how we communicate with each other through relationship. Because we associate Libra and medical astrology with the kidneys, and the kidneys help us to process our fluids, there's an aspect of water to me with Libra, of a kind of attunement that Libras, even as they're air, there's this uh, unconscious or unspoken or unseen attunement to the vibe (laughs) to like reading people you know I'm reading you and what I've noticed with Libran people is just this incredible ability to pick up on what the vibe is in someone in a space and understand like vibrationally through nonverbal and also through verbal, how to like make the vibe feel more beautiful, how to make the vibe feel more attractive, pleasurable, enjoyable. And because, and that's where we have the Venus, you know, Venus rules Taurus and Venus rules Libra. And in Libra, Venus encourages us to lay down our arms, to literally drop our defenses and listen from our heart space, listen from, the f- listen from the whole body and really be with people. Ask them questions, get them to relax, get them to laugh, like use wit, um, take people off guard so that they are stop overthinking and like feel like they can like be f- more funny or more relaxed. And then we have a nice time together. And when we're having a nicer time together, we are more likely to collaborate and to cooperate when we come up with our contracts, when we create legal documents, when we um, create energetic contracts with each other. When you're in a more relaxed, heart-led, Venusian space with people, you can come into like a softer way of negotiating because Libra is also associated with law, you know? And like, kind of like righteous discrimination um, of like living rightly. Good judgment is very Libran, you know? And a lot of that comes from being relaxed. Being relaxed enough to hear and consider your position, but also the other positions. Like counterpoint awareness of being able to pick up on the counterpoint, Um, the other way in. And so this is something that's really up right now, right? You know, like, how does this feel to hear all this? You know, like, where does this live in you? This laying down of arms opposite another person. The ability to relax people 
so that you can have a nice time together and you can hear one another. The ability to cooperate, collaborate, to listen and consider with good judgment how to come up with something fair and just in agreements. Agreements is huge with Libra. Agreements. Oh my gosh, what are our agreements? You know? What are the agreements here? How do they feel in my body? Am I still cool with these agreements in present time? Or was that the agreement I made a few years ago when I was different? You know? So touching base and like updating our agreements with people is so big. This is not easy. We are working with our attachment styles established at a young age. We are working with potentially, in my case, as for so many, abandonment wounds. We're dealing with programming around what relationships look like and how, you know, we live in a culture where like we make our romantic partner everything. And it's like a full focus, monogamous, everything else is like way, way lower in importance. And we're kind of in a space of like how to gently deprogram or hugely deprogram a lot of the ways that we have been um, conditioned and how we relate. And so... We have a Mercury retrograde that is bound on either side by on one end, Mercury being opposite Chiron, the wounded healer. And at the other end of the retrograde spectrum, I'm I'm speaking of the degrees of Libra that Mercury goes over at the front end, 10 degrees, 10, 11 degrees, Mercury's opposite Chiron. And at the other end, 25 degrees of Libra, Mercury's opposite Eris, and square Pluto. And, you know, that's a lot of um, invitation to rewire. And we have, we have a lot of support from the sky coming in as well. Ways to help us revision, ways to help us talk to each other. I don't want to get into all that because we do in Cosmic Cousins. But, I think about two conversations that I had in the last month. One is I had a human design reading with the astrologer Kelly Rose Tort, who also does human design readings. It's wonderful. And we were talking about Chiron and Aries as healing the wounds of separation. You know, because Aries is self-sufficient. Aries goes alone in this world. And we were talking about Chiron and Aries as like the the primal pain that we live a uniquely separate experience. You know? Even as Aries rising, the Pisces in me is like, no. <laughs> But we're all one. No. It's both and, y'all. But yeah, 
Like we are living a uniquely separate experience. We are sovereign players in this human world. And we are separate. We were born. You know, Aries is like baby coming out of the womb. Here I am. Hello world, you know. And we were separated. And we just keep getting separated in many ways in life. Even as we connect again, we have our separations. And this is like Aries Libra balance, you know. Like, oh my God, I'm totally separate and unique. And I'm just self-sufficient and I'm sovereign. And then on the Libra end of it, like, I am nothing if I'm not relative to other people. I am a social being. And I define who I am based on how I learn myself to be from the, the contracts that I make with people and the relationships that I have with people. Both and, you know, they're both happening. We're doing both. And so with Eris, E-R-I-S, which is even beyond Pluto, it's one of the most recent discovered Um, celestial bodies, we're still understanding what Eris means for us, but it's very alive in our consciousness because it's the most recent one to come in. You know, Eris is just this energy of like, I'm kind of pissed off because I have been uh, not allowed to fully express myself or I, Eris can like draw up the, uh, is not afraid to draw forth the truth of whatever the toxic, um, oppressive or otherwise discordant energy is in spaces. A lot of people don't like Eris energy. It's seen as bitchy or it's seen as problematic or causing trouble. Like, can't you just be happy? Stop talking about it, you know? Um, as someone who walks with Aries and Eris in the first house, like I've always felt like people wanted me to stop being difficult, stop saying true things about the problems that are going on, you know? And I was born Eris opposite Pluto because I'm a Pluto and Libra generation. So working with like um, power, talking about power, speaking about power, trying to deal with like power dynamics in my body and heal them and like come up with more regenerative ways of being in my own skin. This is what I'm doing, you know? So now Pluto is in a square to Eris up in Capricorn and Mercury has been stationing direct square Pluto opposite Eris for at least a week now and will be for another week. And then at the very end, after the retrograde, when Mercury's moving forward again, Mercury will go through that zone one more time in early November. We'll really see all the things that we learned by then. But the dynamic here is like teaching us a whole lot about um, fear, fear in relationship, power in relationship, um, speaking up even though you're afraid of being dominated or overpowered. Um, all very transformative energy when we're working with it not necessarily comfortable but very informative 
And then I think about my conversation with Karina Rosella of Rise Up Good Witch. Um, I have a equinox and solstice reading with um, seasonal readings with Karina every three months. And we just did that, the tarot reading for me. And she, you know, listened to what I was going through and she was like, oh my gosh, I've just been thinking so much lately that healing our attachment wounds is true witchcraft. Because it's like, it's magical to just heal these. (laughs) It's magical stuff. When you start noticing you're not doing your pattern anymore, it's just like, wow, you know? so empowering to show up like that and witches show up you know like witches do and um, so that's what I feel like we're in is really seeing what needs to heal and then committing to it showing up for it in ways that work for you at the pace that works for you with the help that works for you. And um, remember that you're in magical acts of self-care when you do this. And so let me get to then some words of wisdom to share with you. We are learning how to love from a place of sovereignty. We are learning how to love from a place of sovereignty. We are learning how to care without overgiving. People will come into your life now to test this and show you where the work is. People will come into your life for now to test this and show you where the work is. I wanted to share with you before I get to the tarot reading. A couple of quotes from a Libra. Um, Okay, these are from my Libra workbook. Um, I think I'm just going to do this quote from Bell Hooks. Sun, Mercury, Saturn, Neptune, and Venus in Libra. That's a lot of Libra. How different things might be if, rather than saying, I think I'm in love, we were saying... I've connected with someone in a way that makes me think I'm on the way to knowing love. Or if instead of saying I am in love, we say I am loving or I will love. Our patterns around romantic love are unlikely to change if we do not change our language. So thank you, Bell Hooks.
Okay, and then I wanted to share some affirmations from the book. I commit to updating my contracts with people in order to live in present time in my relationships. I commit to updating my contracts with people in order to live in present time in my relationships. I cultivate beauty, harmony, fairness, and love in my partnerships. I cultivate beauty, harmony, fairness, and love in my partnerships. I attune to and meet my inner harmony. I attune to and meet my inner harmony. I practice mental discernment so that I can make good just judgments. I practice mental discernment so that I can make good judgments. I weigh things out in order to trust the rightness of my next move. I weigh things out in order to trust the rightness of my next move. I consider the consequences of my actions and words from outside my own positionality. I consider the consequences of my actions and words from outside my own positionality. And finally, I communicate from both my head and my heart. I communicate from both my head and my heart. Okay, now. Let's take a brief pause before the tarot reading. All right, a tarot reading for Libra season 2021. Particularly designed to help us with the Mercury retrograde in Libra from the night of September 26th, is it? (laughs) 28th? I think it might be the 28th. Um, I'm not so hot with dates in my memory. Um, I'm just going to look that up. I have these things down. Twenty seventh. I think it's the night of the twenty eighth. Okay, yeah. Okay, twenty sixth, twenty sixth, twenty seventh. Must be the twenty sixth today. <laughs> Sorry. Um, until October, um, until October 18th. So that will take us almost all the way through Libra. So what came to me in my mind's eye when I asked for a tarot spread for us was six cards. The first two, um, are like the card for now 
the card for us now and the, and the contributing card. And then, um, then three cards that speak to actions, ways of being, things that we're working through as we're moving through that. And then the punchline. <laughs> What's the punchline? I think that's kind of a fun final card. So you, you, can, you can play with that spread for things yourself. Um, so what came through then as the card for us now is Knight of Wands. And I'm using the Thoth deck. So in the Thoth deck, the knight is kind of like the king. You know, it's, um, it's big fire energy. Um, it's fire of fire, elementally. And the image has this knight in armor with this like blazing cape, huge blazing on fire cape all around it, like taking up most of the card. Um, on a black horse on the diagonal jumping up. So the front legs are up in the air. And then the knight is also carrying this huge torch of fire. It's super dynamic. There's a ton of movement. It's very like thrusty and confident and bold. And the, the knight is using the other hand to hold the horse, like rein it, um, like control it. But obviously the horse also has like a ton of its own power at play and is in like synergy with the knight. And so what I felt when I was looking at this is just this sense of um, bold, lusty, fiery excitement for something that's coming through in your life right now. Um, Connecting to the part of you that has the thrust of that. Connecting to the part of yourself that wants to go into things dynamically, zestily, with confidence, with energy, like so much explosive energy. And also... The contributing card is Five of Cups, which is called Disappointment in the Thoth deck. And as many of you know, Five of Cups is a card that we associate with grief, with loss, with being sunken by the past, with feeling um, brought into, uh, brought out of the present moment because. You're either thinking about the past or there's a gap between what you expected and what's here. And that's why you're disappointed. It's because you had a future expectation that didn't come for you. So either way, Five of Cups has this quality of not being in the present moment. This is not a bad thing. Sometimes we just need to grieve the past. Um, This is not a bad thing. Realizing that you were caught up in expectation can be very informative and helpful for you in the present moment so that you can shift how you work with expectation. So these two cards have very different energies, you know. Um, There's very different energies at play. 
between the fiery of the moment night of wands and the kind of stagnant um, dysregulated five of cups um, and I feel like what it seems to be showing us is that working with healing the past and working with over planning in the future over expecting in the future um, especially vis-a-vis right now relationships can take us away from our night you know our k-n-i-g-h-t can get us out of the power of that forward thrust can take us away from our creativity can take us away from our eroticism can take us away from our abundance because creativity and eroticism pleasure these only exist in present time we can't create in the past we can't create in the future we can only be at the present moment and so what's maybe coming up for you is as as you're working with things right now and trying to seek balance and trying to um, cultivate new forms of relating you may feel both one at the same time paradoxically this thriving drive to live as well as the presence of the past or the presence of the future and you're rattled right because you're thrown out of the present by the past or the future and so like this is libra too is that rebalancing libra is not about having getting to balance and staying there it's about the constant recalibration with balance and um coming constantly back to here is where you can create here is where you make love you know the action cards are all very different because we're being called to different things we have four of wands called completion in the thoth it's associated with venus and aries to me this is like feel into yourself what you need and want for self-containment for feeling connected to your own selfness that you are inside of yourself that you are unique and separate in ways that feel contained and good and complete and whole and sovereign and make a practice of this containment and make a practice of this holding of yourself make it warm make it fun make it beautiful to be contained within yourself and whole three of cups abundance mercury and cancer is the association astrologically 
um, feeling into like abundance is already in your body. The possibility of connectedness with others is already here and available. That enjoying other people's company and spreading yourself out beyond the one love with your friends, with maybe multiple lovers, with all the different people in your life and giving yourself to all of your community will help you recognize how abundant you are. Cultivate those good feelings with more than one person. It's rewiring the programming of like the monolithic one. And then finally, five of wands called strife in the Thoth deck. We associate with Saturn and Leo, which is the placement in my chart. You know, like to me, five of wands is about releasing energy and it's strife because it can feel frustrated until it has a place to go. And when I heard, when I saw that card was synergy, five of wands as synergy, a synergy that we're creating with other people. It's not about you pleasing someone or them pleasing you. It's about you both being pleased with the synergy that you're co-creating together. You know, that's what's fun. Then it becomes a channeled container for both of you together. Saturn wants the container. The punchline <laughs> is three of wands. So we have a five of cups and a three of cups, a five of wands and a three of wands. Sun in Aries, known as virtue in the Thoth deck. And like the punchline to me came forward as like, you are one and you are many. Because to me, like sun in Aries is really like feeling the pulse of your still center, feeling your unique fire, knowing that you have got you. But the three here reminds us to remember others, to be in communities, to collaborate, cooperate, to let that unique sun, that unique brightness that you bring, that unique bold energy that you have, your sovereign energy, that you bring it into your relationships, you know? And again, this idea of sovereignty, but in relationship, what does that feel like? What does that look like in the body? What does it feel like in the body to hold the balance between sovereignty on the one hand and interconnectedness on the other, you know, of personal agency on the one hand and inter, um, like reliance on the other. How does your body feel when it feels that balance? How do you know when it's not imbalanced? This punchline is offering us trust that at your still center, you know the balance and you can know when it's out of balance 
and you can care for yourself and do what needs to be done to bring it back into harmony. And sometimes that might mean updating or ending contracts. But if you know what you need to feel like that, you can count on yourself to meet yourself where your needs are. Hmm. (laughs) I'm wishing everyone a beautiful Libra season. It's my honor and pleasure to record this for you. Thank you so much for listening. If you love Moon to Moon and you haven't left a review yet, please, please, please leave a review. It's so helpful to get my name out and Moon to Moon's name out into the world. Please share the episode if you love it. Stay connected with me. Let me know. Sending all my well wishes. Cheers.